Hello, and welcome to Space and Race, the insight from modernist architects of the Origin Brew podcast, the podcast that exposes you to the voices, stories, and strength of different community leaders' journeys to create freedom. With your host, Dr. Terrence Ruth, and our guests for today, Brian Crisp and Charles Holden. Hello, this is Terrence Ruth, and again, welcome to the Origin Brew podcast, where we create a platform to discuss the stories, the journeys um, that impact black, brown, and poor American lives. Um, This platform will educate and infuse listeners into um, the stories and the individuals who are fighting in their particular area on the front line of injustice. Um, And so Origin Brew will cast a spotlight on interconnections and intersections of injustices, and we will educate people on the complex journey of the struggle in America. Um, and so today uh, we have uh, special guests, good friends of mine. <laughs> we have Charles and Brian um, out of Raleigh, North Carolina. And uh, we definitely welcome with open arms to the Orange Brew podcast. Welcome. Thanks for having us. So, so I want to, on behalf of the, the Justice Love Foundation and the Origin Brew team, again, thank you for being here. We want to launch with sort of a intro of how you sort of journeyed into this space that sits at the intersection of architecture, design, and social justice. And, and really, wh- how does those overlap and, and, and how, did, how did you get there? <laughs> <laughs> You have a good start. So uh, I would say that that I grew up in a home where uh, being welcoming to all people was really important. And um, which is really, uh, so the interesting part of that is like, that was like super important to my parents. Uh, But the irony of that is that my mother was very much an independent working woman. So she could welcome you into our home. She couldn't cook for you. (laughs) She knew how to do that. (laughs) But somehow we always had food and we were always welcoming. And that's like, um, uh, you know, they they say apples don't fall far from trees. And so I grew up in this home where there were just so many different types of people mm. coming in and out of our house. Mm. So that stayed with me. Um, and, and it was important for my parents to welcome and entertain people in a way that was not, it was beautiful. Like it yeah. had to be beautiful. Yeah. And there was a ritual to it. Um, and so I think that's the foundation for me. And then I went on. Uh, to have a career uh, at sort of like this, these two places and like education uh, and was lucky enough to spend time in Reggio Emilia, Italy, mm. which was all about design as a way to engage really critical thinking mm. and building community mm. uh, and religion, which is all about... <laughs> always finding uh, and always advocating for justice. So that's what I brought uh, to me as a, like a full bodied person. And then I met Charles. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
And in some ways, I'm from the exact opposite of that, growing up in a fairly rural, um, impoverished area of the state, but having, you know, significant privilege in con contrast to what was going on around me. Um, a family is very not political, um, very kind of inwardly focused, but um, very uh, a family of educators. Only my sister and I are not in education as far as high school and elementary school teachers and principals and whatnot. And so um, I was also instilled, you know, I could do anything and stumbled across architecture almost by default because none of the traditional um, occupations really piqued my interest as a child. Hmm. And uh, people would suggest different things, you know, I had strengths in math and, and, and English and other things, but like the sense of everything didn't sound quite right. Um, and then sometime in high school, someone suggested architecture and I didn't say no. It was like this really kind of intriguing thing. And I think like a lot of students, I really didn't know a lot about architecture, mm -hmm. but it seemed really interesting. Uh, and I think even lots of people that go into architectural school don't really know about architecture mm. until you get there. And I was so lucky to kind of, my mentors were the last of their generation, the sort of World War II generation. Uh, I worked with the first woman graduate from the School of Design. She had wow. been the only woman at the time. Wow. Uh, and I didn't, and I think she was a very um, strong personality. And I was the only person, I was as a high school intern, I started taking on the role of all the people that had not been able to work for her longer than 30 days, you know, <laughs> leading up to me working with her. Um, and it was just, and then when I got to school, really gaining a strong, um, stronger understanding of a larger worldview, uh, these amazing professors from different parts of the world. And in contrast to Brian moving around, I've really kind of stayed in one place. You know, uh, my family's been here for several generations. My, I've lived in one county, and we moved a lot as in, when I was little to different schools and in different parts of the state. But I moved to Raleigh and kind of stayed, lived, worked, and played in a one-mile radius. And as we come back to all that, I, my strengths are... are gaining an understanding of what it takes to create culturally significant places or art and, and, and being on the creative side of the architecture world, which is divided into sort of designers and practitioners that are more service oriented mm. and realizing as time went on how much resistance there was mm. to design and not really understanding why I was trying to play by the rules. And then after meeting Brian, um, I realized that that resistance was much more broad and, and how so many people had been marginalized um, and trying to wrap my head around what we do next. Wow. Yeah, that's kind of a lot of yeah. I'm sorry. It was well, 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 it's I, good. You know, first, I, when I come over, y'all cook just amazing meals and probably, you know, $500 plates. And <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> but but they're beautiful but, plates, but they're not five hundred dollars. But what's most amazing is the discussion. It was the first yeah. time that I went to somebody's house, and it was a book of colors, and we had a whole conversation about the contrast between the color black and the color white, and not about skin. We literally just talking about the color white and the color black. I've never had that conversation, but we're having this conversation now where people are saying you have to remove the color black from the term lives matter, right? 
And and mm-hmm. so so you you having this conversation, which it, it's much deeper. When I talked to you, you 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 gave me a book just about colors, right? Didn't even though it exists, right? right? <laughs> um, but but with all that's going on and how people try to simplify deep concepts that y'all sit on every day and y'all read every day, um, what what are you thinking? You know, what are you thinking about these days? What's occupying your thoughts as it relates to social unrest and sort of the reform conversation that's happening that's sitting on very heavy concepts but is being discussed at very surface levels? Yeah. So I think you hit um, several things that resonate with me just in the question or setting up the question, which is people think it's really simple. Mm. It's not simple at all. <laughs> uh, we're talking about compounded centuries of trauma. Mm. We're talking about systems that have been put in place um, to not benefit people, but benefit the system itself. Mm. So when you start interrogating that, and you're looking, um, you're looking for solutions. I think one of the biggest mistakes people are making right now is they think this, the solution is going to be simple. Mm. And I don't know if the solution is going to be simple at all. I know it's 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 needed, uh, but it's it's such um, so it's like really complicated, right? And yes. then also it is pretty not complicated. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. So, uh, so I think that's occupying my t- my my thought right now. Uh, like I've, part of me is in uh, like so many other people is in a state of grieving. Mm. Like how how did we get here? And not not asking that. Like I know how we got here, but that question to me is 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 sort of calling out to white people like me who've been here before saying. Did you not think wow. of what the ramifications of this were going to be? Wow. Wow. Like, wow. did you not think about that? Wow. And so that's occupying a lot of my time. And then uh, just thinking about how many parts of our society need to be just reimagined mm. and rebuilt. Mm. Wow. Who was the writer that talked about memory and? Mm, I don't know. Oh, I haven't read the book, but we read the introduction to it. There's a writer recently, and we keep coming back to it, on the importance of of remembering, Mm. imagining, and desiring. Wow. And we keep coming back to that again and again, where it's the lack of imagination. And and I I have to honestly, I get a bit overwhelmed. Um, I'm, I'm optimistic that more people are waking up and seeing things and that we're creating a dialogue, but I'm the, the sort of INTJ or the sort of creator in me immediately probably tries to go too fast through the work that needs to be done, but I want us to be focusing on what we need to be creating. Mm. And it's frustrating to me when, when even for the people that are in, you know, privileged or think that they're doing well, how bound they are by the same systems wow. that are marginal like that, that ev- most everyone is marginalized wow that uh the the, we're, the most people are commodity are, you know, are commodities oh yeah uh, i talk a lot about how it's in the united states in particular but you know most of the western world in some ways that houses 
can only last as long or only intended to last as long as the mortgage. Wow. wow. And you can't wow. build cultural wealth. Wow. You know, we talk about um, wow. populations not being able to build generational wealth. Wow. But we as a society cannot build anything even beyond that wow. because we have these extraction systems pulling money out of the system. When we're at the Black Lives Matter march wow. downtown, all I can help is to look up and see, you know, all the bank names that are on our tallest buildings. Wow. And architecturally, at one point, our most aspirational buildings were, you know, things like Gothic cathedrals or wow. when the state house was built in Raleigh. It was a modern building for its time. Wow. And it's cost the equivalent of one year of the state's budget. Wow. To build that mm -hmm. building. And then when you look around now, the most, you know, quote unquote impressive or important buildings based on their height, and we can have other conversations about vertical and horizontal, but but essentially there it is looming. Wow. All the three banks and Charlotte's the same way. Wow. And how they are extracting wealth out of place. Wow. Mm -hmm. For me, it always comes back to place. Yeah. A quarter mile radius. It's how far people would carry water as for generations, millennia. Mm -hmm. And that was your home. But we fractured our education system. We fractured our neighborhoods. We fractured everyone so that if you make more or less, you should move. Wow. If you need a bigger or smaller house, you should move. Wow. If you need to make something or you need to go somewhere else. Wow. And all of that has undermined and put more and more power into rules structures like mortgages and real estate and that to, to, to prevent us from building the community and the things like Brian said that are easy. It's like an A-B test. Like wow. when you look at something, is this more beautiful or that more beautiful? Should we do this or should we do that? We talk a lot about art. I mean, like an example is, was in a um, assisted, well, not assisted living, but a, a re rehab center where a lot of elderly people are, you know, recovering from hip surgery and things like that. And this really awful space, double loaded quarters, dark, no windows. And there's art on the wall of places that you might actually want to be, particularly if you're aging, or, or places that, you know, quite honestly, is where you might die. Beautiful courtyards with rocking chairs and plants and all these really lovely things. There are no people in those images. Hmm. And you point to the wall and like, why isn't, why aren't our old people dying in spaces like this? Wow. <laughs> or wow. why aren't our young people learning in places like this? And wow. everyone's like, oh, that's too expensive. And my argument is, okay, let's say it costs twice as much. What if you gave yourself 100 years to do it? My grandmother can put down one cobblestone before she goes. She's got another few years in her. You know, like, well, why aren't we looking at ways to create the spaces we know? If we can't afford to build 100 classrooms, let's build one good classroom every half mile. Wow. Wow. You, you, know, you know what's amazing is I had a conversation with both of you around how to build community well. Mm -hmm. And we talked about uh, a community where if one person has a lawnmower, nobody else needs a lawnmower. Right. If one, right. <laughs> one person has, <laughs> uh, again, this this very sort of we build off of each other's strengths, 
model, right? Everybody is bringing yeah. and contributing to the community. And so it's not this, do you make enough or not? And, and the reason why I, I was listening to the people in the streets and they were, they were mm -hmm. angry about several things, but part of it was whenever we are in a particular location, that location is of no value. But when we're Correct. asked to move from that location, all of mm -hmm. a sudden it's worth triple that amount. Right. And then places where we are located, it is seen as dangerous and unsafe. And so mm -hmm. we put resources not into the schools and mm -hmm. to healthy foods, but into militarism or policing or right. et cetera. So um, I, I, it's amazing how y'all see community and how the normal conversation around community is sort of drafted. How did y'all break through that sort of, you know, block set, this is what a community is, this is what... <laughs> I, I read a lot of Angela Davis. I mean, is that what you mean? Uh, but, you know, when Charles was talking, I kept thinking about, like, when he was saying, uh, like, people being displaced, mm. like, people being displaced in their communities or um, people devaluing work, right? That is all about, for me, racialized capitalism. Mm. And that's why the banks are so important. Important, right? Like I, we were having a conversation today and I was like, you know, our economic system no longer works for the people mm. or the government. Our government and people work for this crazy mm. capitalist system. And so I think that's one of the reasons, um, like that's one of the ways I look at it. And so if you're going to divest, uh, which I think we need to, yeah from this system, you have to have a great paradigm shift. And Charles talks about this all the time. So when we're talking about policing or militarizing everything, right, yeah. we have this um, we have this idea that all we want to do is keep bad things from happening. Yeah, yeah. And nobody wants to talk about, like, well, why don't we invest in making good things occur? Wow. Like, why don't we invest wow. in the good things and the beautiful things? Wow. Like, if we do that... You're not going to need a policing system and a military. I mean, like, you wow. know, I could take 1% of the budget from the Raleigh Police Department and everyone would have free public transportation in wow. Wake County, 1%. Wow. So it's not about thinking about these beautiful things that make us all human and thinking about those aspects in a way that people who, like Black, Brown, Indigenous people of color, who have been just dehumanized for too many years you know investing in neighborhoods that like you just said hmm. that have just been thrown away but, or if they get regentrified then they're you yeah. know but but, but also gentrified and made wealthy but also you just just staying on that conversation how do we define beauty right like 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 for for for, for you when y'all see something beautiful like when y'all break down a plate to me right I, mm -hmm. I, I when after y'all finish, I'm like, this is a beautiful plate. Like this, plate, this plate is gorgeous. But but some people, instead of seeing beauty, they see fear, or they see a loss, or they you know, how, how do we help people like Charles was saying reimagine what beauty should be, right? Versus how we see it now. Yeah, I mean, like I think we struggled with that same aspect. I can't tell you how many times I've walked into a room of straight men mm. and fear is the number one thing. Wow. Right. So that's wow. the fear. Like somehow my body is a threat mm. to everything that they stand for. 
Um, and it's difficult. How do we, how do we break that? Yeah. I think part of it is being formidable, right? You just keep on keeping on. You don't let up. You're go- I mean, I'm going to use a beautiful plate. I want everyone to have a beautiful wow. plate. I also don't want to be the person that that makes that definition standard. I want the definition to be porous. So whatever beauty is is multi influenced by by you, by your son, by these beautiful black and brown women in the world, uh, by my trans sisters. Like I think, like the more the more input you have in that, the more beautiful it is. It, you know what's crazy? And I, I'm 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 a pivot this conversation just a little bit and then I promise you I'm gonna move to the next question. But Charles spent probably a night over dinner telling me what makes a beautiful window. Right? Mm-hmm. Nobody thinks about windows. <laughs> Nobody thinks about windows, but but you talk about how simple it is to make a beautiful window. And for me, it seemed pretty simple when you explained it to me. But in the season we are in, it seems like people are struggling to be inspired to see the simplicity of fighting injustice with just simple answers. It, it, it seems like there's a fear of, of, of just reimagining that square space. And so, 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 how, how do how do y'all do that? How do you? What inspires you to sort of be to, to think differently, to be, to be, to imagine? Well, I think there's part of it. I mean, the fear is fairly natural. We talk; it's a bit cliche. We talk about you know needing education to get over the fear, mm. like. Mm. Um, the whole sense of you don't know or understand something you only have so much bandwidth and so the default of fearing it is safest Mm. in the short term Mm. but you have to get to a certain level of comfort and protection and education in order to think about these things for a longer period of time and what was the what was the original question we're talking about Oh, oh, th- th- there is a certain, it's a combination of in some naivete in a good way and being radical in a good way too, mm-hmm. where the window thing is, I, I know it comes up a lot. I mean, I, and it took me a long time because I felt like you know, you're told to play by the rules and you'll succeed. Mm-hmm. And I found in almost every case, there's just so much resistance when you really figure out what the, what the, what what the intent is and that's where I like the certain naivete I think it's a lot more objective of what you know th- what is beautiful and what's desirable wow. I think you can ask 100 people and 99 or 100 of wow. them will say yes I like this over that wow. this sort of A-B test that we talk about and so like if you look at some if you're trying to decide between two things and you have an image of one way of doing it and an image of way of of not doing it and you decide like does that make the world a better thing mm. you know mm-hmm. do, do, does does putting this object into the world make it better wow and what are and, and for the window there are two things there the realization that it's not about the noun and we talk a lot Brian yeah, talks yeah. a lot about nouns versus verbs we get so hung up on the name and the and the categorization and the product of something 
so that people are like, oh, we need windows. We have to have windows. Mm. When really what we want are the, the light, ventilation, view, um, egress sometimes. There are these things that are accommodating how we occupy space mm. and what brings pleasure to us. Mm. And what interests me at the second point in the window dialogue is I've gone and visited window manufacturing plants hmm. and they ask, you know, what's your market like? What are people interested in? Hmm. And, you know, people are like, well, you know, the, there are a lot of contractors and installers that are in there. And uh, I went with an intern and she had actually helped us install the windows before hmm. as well as design them and I mean, draw them. And so we're sitting there and all these people are like, well, how can you ship the windows with more protective plastic? And so they don't get scratched in transit and da, 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 da. And it was just really disheartening. And, and I was like, I don't really am not in tune with the market. And, you know, we do a few projects and try to do them really well, more on the artisan side. But I do see that, you know, what, what, what I'm interested, you as the maker of the window, what would you like wow. us, from us? And they're like, we've, we've been doing this for 30 years and never been asked that. Wow. And, and, there were, and I was like, I, we, the first a- answer was flippant. They were like, oh, we wish everyone would just buy the same one window so wow. we could crank it out. <laughs> and then they paused a moment mm. and said, no, you know, this is a lot of window manufacturers are in Wisconsin and they have a long tradition of, in addition to dairy farms, manufacturing. A lot of products are historically have come out of Wisconsin. And so they're like, we are craftspeople. We want to make things. We want to make a beautiful window. The people in the custom division where they make up, you know, these wooden windows for restoration or for clients that have specific needs, we really have incredible, you know, that's really a lot of joy. And I was like, that's really ironic because on our end, the user, the client, really would have this beautiful window. would love to have this beautiful window that's handmade, that responds to the light, the view, the ventilation, those type of things. But the whole market, everything between, you know, us who are really thinking about the user and the, 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 the manufacturer, the person, the actual person doing the labor, making the window, they have so much more in common than anything in between. Wow. That's extracting an incredible amount of wealth, wow. you know, between the manufacturer, the sh- shipper, the reseller, like the actual, and the material cost is nothing compared to all the tidbits that are taking between here and there. I just really like, I know that there used to be a window manufacturing, you know, in the 1800s, a couple blocks away from here where I could drop a little something and I could go talk to the person that's actually going to make it. And it would come from a tree that's a, you know, less than a hundred miles away. But we've really, in the interest of the market, and so to the point now where, and they were also like, they're like, oh, we don't like, you know, they don't want rules and regulations from the government. You know, there are all these UL and and, 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 and performance criteria that's very expensive. They have to pay tens of thousands of dollars to test a new window. And I made the point, it's like, that's there to protect you mm. because if Trishana and I wanted to start a window company, we couldn't afford to. Mm. you've got to be a big player in order to start a window company. Mm. It's like a few years ago, they had that beautiful exhibit of 1930s cars at the art museum, mm-hmm. his art deco cards. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And granted, it wasn't like, well, five of your six wealthiest friends, you could get together and start a car company. <laughs> like we can't do that now. 
Mm. So we have fewer and fewer options. And we, we want to talk about education. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, but, I mean, it's all so connected. It's hard not. <laughs> it definitely is connected. But I wanted to know, and we've been talking about it for a while, but but what what of your craft and your expertise translates into fighting justice right now? What 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 is what what is that? Do you want to start, or do you want me to? You start. Okay. Um, so I first I would say. This is what I would say to other white people right now. What does not translate into fighting justice? Wow. wow good it's, it's to me, like, wow. it needs to be all fronts like never before. Wow. Good question. Like, I, um, like, I, the, the, whatever gifts or talents I have, right? Like, they've got to be all out there. Wow. If it's writing, I'm writing. I'm doing more writing now than I've ever done in my life. Wow. Even more than in graduate school where I wrote. Wow tons um we're thinking about we're dreaming thinking about what does what does community what does an indigenized community look like for people that that we believe in Hmm. um we're using our voices like uh in local politics so it's like it's all fronts there's there's nothing we can spare there's no talent or something there's nothing that we can spare in this moment and that would be my other charge to white people right now like if you have never done anything it's time for you to get up and do something everything you know and i think people think like that so this is my concern is that we think that justice is just protesting in the streets but the work of justice too is like, as you know, it's like sitting on that three hour city council yes, phone call. Ryan. So you can have your two minutes to yes, say, Ryan. this is what I want for my community. Yes, yes, Stop yes. policing Brown people. Yes. Brian. You know, yes. start, you just got to get the police out of homelessness. But, but Brian, you, yeah. Brian, you know, and I don't mean to cut you off, but you're on a big point here, right? When, when, when I, I don't like using the term power, right? You know, how, right. how do we take back power? Because it, it, on the other side of that, people say they see fear, right? And then, and then right. power, the other person must be grand and I must right. be small, right? right. Um, but I've seen where politicians were frightened to be on that call when there was 300 people lined up to right. tell them how. They, 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 I, I remember when um, the politician was afraid of Dr. Barber. Right. <laughs> the General Assembly. They, they took back routes to get to their car or yeah. they skipped a whole day period. Right. That voice, that song, that call, it yeah. it is powerful. It's powerful. <laughs> do it. Do it. I mean, like you just do it, right? Like yes. and I get like uh so I get like just so much joy, right? When I like you know, like when you're out there organizing and you like are on the phone call and there's like that 61 year old white woman that's never done anything before. Yeah. And she's just letting city hall have it. I'm like, yes, yes, right. Like finally you come in, like there's room for you. Right. Like that's what Rap Brown talks about. There is, there is room for everybody. Wow. Is revolution. Wow. Um, wow. You probably, you know, you know, I'm a preacher. I'm going to say a and, I, and, I, and, and I'm I'm a uh, I'm a shift to our fourth question, and then the, okay. the last question is a really really fun one. Um, 
But the fourth one is, you know, what are people responding to in the streets, in your opinion? What is the deeper cry? What is sitting underneath sort of sort of the, the cement, right? What, 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 what are we looking at, you know? Just to, well, a world where you can be yourself and thrive, right? Mm. And it's hard to even imagine mm. the sort of individuality and things that we talk about as platitudes in the country have been prevented. Mm. You know, like the, the idea that anyone could do anything and there seems to be more and more, you know, architecturally, I think about, I talk a lot about the fear of communism has created some of the most homogenous neighborhoods outside. Wow. And my biggest fear is like the fight is like, oh, you know, we, we, we watch a lot of, we've been watching, binge watching Blackish and they're selling a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, right. And I, and I understand it's aspirational yeah. and like, this is what's going on. But yes. at the end of the day, it's like, buy a house that's probably a little bigger, too big, too big for you. And, you know, get that mortgage. It comes back to that. Yeah. And so I think what people are feeling are, are a lack, this lack of humanity and a lack of individuality. It's at both ends of that spectrum, mm. like the things that we need to for our humanity, basic basic fundamental needs like housing and to feel safe. Wow, like to feel safe is a big part of it. Wow, you know whether it's at home or in your community, these different places, mm. these layers of intimacy versus community, wow. and feeling safe and able to participate at each of level of that gradient wow. when you're home alone in a place of your own or at the local coffee shop or, you know, at your workplace that you are contrib contributing and are valued by that interaction. Wow. But yeah. I, my fear is people are like, instead like, I want this, you know, particularly we talk about the education, you know, like to get the education or to get the house or to get the car. It's a bit like getting the window. Mm. It's like, we're not, I think the, the feeling is not addressing basic human needs, you mm -hmm. know, a hierarchy of needs and all that. But really what's being expressed is these things. Wow. And so I, 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 and I, and my, that's kind of where I am right now and how yeah. to define that and why it keeps coming back to what little needs or how can we meet? Yeah. And I like, that's what I like about your name with the thing with the brew and like those things like coffee shops and yeah. outdoor movies are part of that. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so I would say that uh, first people took to the streets and I think it was this perfect conflation of things, right? I think it was COVID and then we had, Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd. And I think that was the initial thing that got people in the streets. And when that happened, there was this realization that America's foundation is a flawed foundation that mm. mm. has built itself up on at the expense of 
indigenous bodies, black bodies, brown bodies. And I think there's this moral reckoning that we're seeing right now. Mm. And it actually has me uh, strangely hopeful. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like... There's a huge song. Like, we're all tired, right? Like, we're all doing it. We're all tired, like, right? I mean, I know my senator is tired of hearing my voice. Like, right? Probably like, Ryan Chris call again today? Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> they're running on fumes, but the fumes are thick. Yeah, we're running on fumes, but the fumes are thick. <laughs> like but that. it's strangely hopeful too. Like, like we're dreaming. We're sitting around here dreaming and just saying, "This has got to like, this is the world I want. Like, I want a neighborhood where like you are my. Ne- well, you know, I always want a neighborhood where you're my next door neighbor. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, like and that's what we want. Like, I just want this." Like we watched that beautiful documentary this week on the radical monarchs. Wow. This like radical Girl Scout type troop. Yeah. And like they were just like this gender expansive group of female identified young people just doing it. And wow. I was like sitting here crying, going, wow. That's the world I want. That's the world I'm working for. And that was from 2016. Yeah, and that's wow. yeah. I mean, I might not see it. I think wow. at the core of this, like it, it does come back to humanity and, and and something like COVID and seeing people die on television reminds us that we're human. Mm. Reminds mm. us that we're connected. Wow. That that and and then to see the absolute indifference of the market of the president of all of these other people, like the complete indifference wow. to the humanity of it, wow. is and plus, like what else are we going to do? Wow. I mean, like you know, this is broken and has been broken, wow. and then you start to do a little bit of reading, and it's like you see the same messages in Baldwin and like. Yes. And Seriously, we're reading like Angela yes. Davis yes. with our goddaughter, yes. and we read we're reading this all these essays from 1985, and it is like 2020, and you're like, I I, I called Al McShirley today, and oh, yeah. it's his anniversary. And he yeah, said, he said, yeah. I want you to, I want you to look up 1967 or 76 commission or police or criminal, criminal, criminality commission and mm-hmm. look at the recommendations and you can literally cut and paste, <laughs> you can literally yeah. cut and paste those recommendations today. Don't you don't have to change nothing. You don't have to change the font, the typewriter, nothing. You can literally cut and paste it today in the exact same recommendations as needed. Uh, but what I what I do like that you mentioned is it's hopeful. This this is a world that you want to see. And so I want to close with um, with uh, the last question. Now I know y'all have. A house full of records. So I I know y'all have. <laughs> I know that is your reality. So I'm I'm asking this question knowing that y'all 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 about to drop the mic on us. And so um, we close always with asking the final question: What song is feeding your soul right now? And so I've been waiting for this answer from both of you. Um, so what song? Well, you're very lucky. Brian has this lovely group of friends, and we get together once a week on Sunday, and we talk about an issue. And sometimes it's on an artist or pick an artist, but um, I guess the internet was talking about your top twenty songs recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we we you know, which is very difficult, like for all the reasons. <laughs> 
And uh, so and, we all did our And top. three of us used to DJ together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and uh, yeah, so my list was a little bit different than their list. Um, but it was interesting. You know, you do your 100 and then whittle it down and then whittle it down and you to get down to your 20 and certain things have to go. But in the end, the one artist that I always come back to for decades now uh, is Nina Simone. Wow. And the one song, Feeling Good, wow. or Feeling Good. Um, wow. And and it's such a powerful song for me. And so before we got on our Zoom call, I pulled up and like, you know, before I mentioned this song, I should see a little bit more about it. Right. <laughs> and it's incredible. It was actually, it was written for a play in Britain wow. in 65, in 63, wow. before Nina did something with it in 65. Wow. But it was all about this. It was about wow. fighting the power, race and class issues. Um, and But at the same time, that thing that I'm most connected to is what are we imagining on the other side of this? Wow. What are we creating to the point where we feel free and creative uh, and the world that, that we want to fight for so that we have a target, so we have a a, a way of feeling, a way of being that uh, that uh, celebrates that. So for feeling good, Nina Simone's version, um, hands down, best ever. Wow, thank you. Good. Yeah, I believe a guest. <laughs> I believe a guest mentioned uh, mentioned the same song actually. Um, I think it was I think it was either Norman Siegel who mentioned that song, oh, um, but uh, somebody it. mentioned the exact same song. So first of all, before I get to my song, <laughs> I got to recognize that it was George Clinton's birthday this week. Ah, uh, second, and you know he's from North Carolina, and so this week I've been like. <laughs> Super into Afrofuturism. Wow. You know, like I've been texting you about every day yeah, yeah. about to build a spaceship and get on it. Go away. You know, it could be awesome. You know, like George Clinton, and, you know, like new, like, you know, like Flying Lotus. And it could be old school, new school Afrofuturism. Uh, but the song that I go back to, that I've gone back to for a long, long time now, where I'm like, this is what it's about. Um, is Donny Hathaway? Wow! Someday we'll all be free. Wow! Woo. Wow! Donny, wow! Donny that comes in wow! Gives us that wow. first note. Just saying, keep keep hanging on. Wow! You know, wow. don't let, the world's spinning. Don't let the spin get you down. Wow! Wow! You take it from me. One day we'll all be free. Wow! And Come so, on, that's man. that's the one. Wow! You know, Brian yes. and Charles, again, um, we could have stayed on how do you feel about the color black? And, and we could have stayed on there yeah. for like two hours. Um, but I, I just, I just got to... Like, can we just have a show where I just, just talk about music like, for an hour? <laughs> now, I, I, on behalf of the Justice Love Foundation that sponsors this podcast and the team that's behind it, um, it was an absolute honor. To uh, to have you on today, uh, you will be getting a uh, a bag of coffee that's sponsoring this episode. Um, oh, and wow. again, uh, we will I will deliver it to your to your place so you don't have to worry about um, touching any packages. And so we. Will, <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but again, it's just to say a small thank you for um, all of you, you, all the time you put towards preparing for this and, and all the just amazing knowledge you brought to this conversation. Again, on behalf of the Justice Love Foundation and the Origin Brew, thank you. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you. Thanks. Origin Brew is created and sponsored by the Justice Love Foundation. The Justice Love Foundation uses philanthropic activism to stretch traditional philanthropy to include the quality of life of the community organizer. The Justice Love Foundation is a foundation that convenes, support, and invests in the lives of the grassroots community leader on the front line of social injustice. In the next episode, we're going to continue to give you intimate access to dynamic community leaders who are leading during these difficult times. The Origin Brew podcast gives you unprecedented perspectives into the struggles and victories of these leaders of social justice. The Origin Brew team also invites you to like and listen to our Spotify playlist, which is a collection of songs from our guests. Thank you for being a partner.